Let us begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come under the word of your scripture, please work in us through your Holy Spirit, giving us convictions of truths that you want us to know. Lead us then, Father, to love, to obey you, and to serve you in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Our passage for today is from John chapter 16, verse 12 to 15. So uh, please do keep it open if you can. Now, when it comes to the Trinity, oftentimes we find that we have difficulty comprehending it and explaining it to others. Now, when St. Augustine, one of our early church fathers, was at his wit's end to try to understand and explain the Trinity, he went out for a walk. And as he went out the walk, he kept on turning over in his mind. One God, but three persons. Three persons, not three gods, but one God. What does that mean? How can it be explained? How can my mind take it in? And so, he was racking his brain when he saw a little boy on the beach. Now he approached him to see what he was doing. The child had dug a small hole in the sand and with his water, he was carrying water from the ocean and he was dumping it into the little hole. So St. Augustine asked him, What are you doing, my boy? The child replied, I want to put all the water in the ocean into this hole. St. Augustine asked him, But is it possible for all the waters of this great ocean to be contained in this little hole? And as he asked that question, it dawned on Augustine. If the waters of the ocean cannot be contained in this little hole, then how can the infinite Trinitarian God be contained in one's mind? Today is Trinity Sunday. And it is true, right, that one of the most misunderstood Christian doctrine that's hard to explain is the Trinity. And so St. Augustine's realization applies to us. God is vast. And our limited minds can only understand a fraction of him. Yet actually, we don't need to fully understand God for us to know that he is the source of all comfort, that he is good, that he loves his people. In our passage today, we will see how understanding how the Trinity works together in perfect love will help us to find great comfort in God. Now, St. Augustine, despite agreeing that we cannot contain the knowledge of the Trinity in our limited mind, he did go ahead and write a book on the topic of the Trinity. And through that book, he's blessed many, leading them to come to see God's Trinitarian nature, and more importantly, leading people to trust and worship this God. So just because we cannot fully comprehend him, He's not speaking out against intellectually trying to understand the Trinity. So with that note, our passage begins in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now the context of this passage is that this is the night when Jesus will be taken away. He's going to be judged unfairly, beaten and killed at the cross. Jesus is aware of this and what he is doing here is that he is preparing the hearts of his disciples so that they will be able to carry on when he is not there physically with them. 
And Jesus has been preparing them throughout the earlier chapters. And we will see this as he demonstrated his love for them through washing their feet, instituting the Lord's Supper so they will have a source to remember and nourish their hearts in faith. And Jesus had also given them warning. The world will hate them. Their ministry is going to get difficult. And at the same time, he also tells them God will be with them. And so in verse 12, Jesus tells them, there's still many things he has to say, but he doesn't do so because he knows they cannot bear it. Now the knowledge of the path that we have to take to be refined by God for his purposes can be a scary one. We can probably take things one thing at a time, but if you ever see the whole big picture, just how much suffering and sorrow is in store for us, it would be very hard for us to hold on to our faith, isn't it? And so, just like that, it is the same for the disciples as well. Sometimes I feel that even my faith is only sufficient to sustain me day by day. At most maybe week by week. If I were to ever know the full extent of what sorrows and failures awaits me, health, finances, ministry, personal life, perhaps I will crumble. And that leads us to think, right? How do we find strength to fully deal with the fact that Jesus has promised his church will be hated, his church will suffer? And it's important, isn't it? Because if there's nothing to strengthen us, we will crumble as more challenges come our way. Now Jesus understood this. And that is why we see in verse 13 that he made provision for his people. Verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus promises them the Spirit of truth will come. And this, friends, is the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and the Son. And earlier in chapter 14 of John, Jesus has promised he will send the Spirit to the disciples because he will not leave them as orphans. And here, the Holy Spirit, called the Spirit of truth, is going to guide the disciples into all truths. And he is able to do this because he speaks not with his own authority, but he hears from God and speaks God's will to his people. So imagine if we are facing a terrible time and feel challenged to trust in God, and most of us have been there. What happens? We feel that God does not love us, Perhaps we may feel that God does not care when we pray and he doesn't give us what, he want, what we want. We might even think God is cruel or capricious and end up being angry with God. It's very common in our lives, isn't it? And in all the situation, imagine it, what difference will it make to you if you know that God really loves you with the same love that he has for his son? What difference will it make to you if you know and you are assured that God hears your prayers and whatever he gives or doesn't give is definitely what is the best thing for you? 
What difference will it make if you know even in your suffering you can rejoice because God is for you? What difference will it make in your suffering if you know that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God? If you genuinely know this, it will make a huge difference, isn't it? The world can come crashing down around you and you will still trust in God. And friends, that is why the Holy Spirit was sent. He is to guide by speaking to the disciples, by leading them into the truth, by declaring the things that were to come. And these things that the Spirit has come to reveal could be the things of future that's revealed to them, could be as the Spirit guides their steps as they continue in the ministry, and it could also be, sorry, and it can also be through the Scriptures working in their hearts as the Spirit encourages them. So we see, therefore, Jesus sends the Spirit to work in the hearts of the disciples by giving them confidence in their faith. And that, friends, is what changes this cowardly, weak lots of disciples that you see here to the heroes of the faith that you will see in Acts 2 when the Spirit fully comes down and they are changed men. This assurance of the Spirit is what made these men be willing to endure beatings, persecution and imprisonment for the sake of Christ. It is the Spirit of truth who has led this man to change, to trust God regardless of the cost to themselves. Now, the truth that was revealed to us, the work of the Spirit in them comes to us today in the form of the words that they have recorded for us. And we find this in the epistles. And friends, this is why we can find so much encouragement, hope and guidance for our lives. No matter what circumstances we are in, as we pour over the writings of the apostles, surely there is something that will encourage and strengthen you. Because the scriptures that they wrote was written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God himself. Remember all the things I mentioned to you earlier about what will help you have assurance in your faith, knowing God's love for you, enduring in your suffering, the hope we have in God's salvation, how nothing can separate us from the love of God? Each and every one of this were quoted from the very words of scripture that they wrote as the promised Holy Spirit came down and comforted them. So you see, the Spirit may not guide you exactly in the same way that he did with the disciples. You may not be doing miracles, but you too have the exact same comfort through the words of scripture. The Spirit speaks to you even today. But let us remember, just the words by themselves are meaningless. Why? They are professors, they are theological college graduates who have no faith, no trust in God, despite studying this book, despite writing papers and books about the Bible. And the missing element, friends, for faith and endurance is the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we need to see, Christ has sent the Holy Spirit 
And if we believe, He is within us and He speaks to us even today. So when the scripture is combined with the work of the Spirit in our heart, then we find hope and comfort. So don't make the mistake of thinking of the Bible as something to be studied like a textbook. It's a living witness from God and it speaks to us today by the power of the Spirit. And so we see here today how the Trinity works together, right? The Son prepares the disciples to receive the Spirit. Then the Spirit comes, being sent by the Father and the Son to give the disciples and us everlasting comfort, which prepares us for the faithful service to God and leads us to praise God, the Father and the Son. And so we receive this great comfort when it comes to Scripture, empowered by the Holy Spirit, reassured by what Christ has done at the cross, and understanding the heart of the Father as He sent His Son to die for our sake. And so as we see and understand this dance between the three persons in the Trinity, we will see each person glorifies and honours the others and works together then to bring about the wholeness of God's will in all things. And if we understand that, we will see that God therefore is by His very nature able to do all that he promises towards us. And he must because his glory is tied into his promises to us. So God cannot abandon his people. Why? Because Christ has prayed for them to the Father. Christ has made provision for them through the Holy Spirit. And the Father and the Son has sent the Holy Spirit. So now God cannot be apart from his people because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. So we see here the work of the Spirit in response to the will of the Father, the sending of the Son and the Father of the Holy Spirit. And in seeing how this entire Trinity works together to bless us, to encourage us, to give us comfort, we should find great comfort and hope. We are not orphans in this world. We truly belong to God. And that's not all the Spirit does. Look in verse 14. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And we see here, the Holy Spirit will glorify Christ in the same way the Son glorifies the Father. The Spirit who was sent by the Father and the Son comes for the purpose of revealing the glory of Christ. And so we see this perfect mutual love in the function of the Trinity when it's pointed towards us. Father loves the Son and exalts him. The Son loves the Father, honours and glorifies Him. And the Holy Spirit in perfect love brings the love of God to those whom God has chosen to belong to Christ. So through the work of the Holy Spirit, we see Christ glorified. And so we know the things that we hope for, the things that we believe in because now Christ is Lord, these things are true. They are real. And his promises to his church will be fulfilled. And that should drive us then, even as we see Christ's glory proclaimed by the work of the Spirit in humans, to gain a deeper trust and love for God. And so we see then that as the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus, he does it by taking what belongs to Christ the inheritance that Christ deserved, the kingdom, the eternal life, the glorification before the world, he takes all of that and declares it to the church. 
to you. We are promised the inheritance of Christ. And that is why we see in scripture, we're pictured, seated together with him, as if we are co-rulers with him. We are told the church is to judge the world when we know it's Christ who judged the world. So the function of the Holy Spirit is as if he's a legal executor. He takes and he declares, this inheritance belongs to you now. So the Spirit gives God's people then the conviction that the promises of God is yes and amen. So as we come to believe in the conviction of Scripture that comes, as we read the promises in Scripture, the Holy Spirit works in us. We believe in all the promises, the forgiveness of sin, the raising up from the dead, eternal life, fellowship with God in the kingdom, that every tear will be wiped away. This should change our lives. This should help us to hold on to our faith, isn't it? And then we see in verse 15, this promise, therefore, is rooted in the very nature of the Trinity. Verse 15, come at me. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So we see here, right, where the father is eager to give all things that is his to his son Jesus. And Jesus is eager for the spirit to take all the things that the father has given him to be declared to his bride, his church, his body. And the reason he wants to do this is because he loves us. And why does he love us? Because the church is given to Christ by his Father as an act of love. So that Christ will have his own people who he can call his very own. A people that is fully united with to the point that they can be called his body. It is because the Father gives the church to Jesus that Jesus loves us. That Jesus gives us his own inheritance. And so, if you see it in this way then, all the blessings in Scripture towards us comes out of this outpouring of love within the Trinity. Because the Father wants to give everything to the Son, and the Son wants to give everything to the Father, and the Holy Spirit binds them in perfect love and unity. And if we understand this, we will then understand what it means to say love is the very nature of God, that God himself is love. And if we understand that and how Christ has prayed for us, how the Spirit is working in us, how the Father has chosen us, then we know God will never abandon us. And this means, friends, we can continue to trust. Even if we don't understand how good things can come out from all the evil things that's happening to churches around the world, persecutions and difficulties, God will keep his promises. So, for us today, we can apply a few things to our life. Firstly, as we experience the work of the Spirit in our lives or in the lives of those who are Christians, or as we see it in the church, we know that he is real that he is at work and that he will deliver all that is promised. So this means if you see someone growing in their faith, every time you hear someone confess Jesus is Lord, whenever there's a baptism that you perceive, whenever there's Lord's Supper where we are taught to put our trust in the work of Christ at the cross, all these responses 
can only come about because the Spirit is at work. And when you see these things, know the Spirit is at work. He is here. He dwells within us. And even today, He is at work right here, right now. Secondly, as we understand how this triune God works, we will see that if we have the Spirit within us, that means we have a relationship with the Father and the Son because Father, Son and Spirit is united as one. And if the Spirit dwells within us, then we are united to the Son. We are His body as Scripture promises. So regardless of what you're going through, know that Christ is with you to the end of time as He has promised. He wasn't just speaking empty words. Thirdly, all of Scripture is written by the inspiration of the Spirit. It is not wrong then to think of the Bible as God's personal love letter to you. Do you treat Scripture as God speaking to you? Pouring over it, seeking to understand how this text which was written to people long ago now applies to you. How convicted you become as you read and rely on this for wisdom and not yours. The apostles responded rightly and see how powerfully God has used them. Imagine what more can happen if we all here in St. Mary's as a church really come to trust in the power of Scripture, to trust in the work of the Spirit in convicting and leading us. What a church we would be. Finally, just realize how much you are loved by God, by each member of the Trinity. As you see how Jesus has provided for his church by sending the Holy Spirit, recognize that the reason he went to the cross, the reason he went to die, to suffer, is because, as he said, he needs to go back to the Father so he can send the Holy Spirit who is the Comforter. He went to the cross, not just to pay for your sins, but to provide you with the Holy Spirit, to guide you, to comfort you, to grow you, and to lead you into a deeper relationship with Him. As you see how the Father then has chosen you before the foundation of the world to give you to Jesus, know you not that the Father knows all your sins and weaknesses. You might pretend in front of each other, but He sees into the deepest, darkest corners of your soul. He knows your most shameful secrets, the most wickedest and wildest thoughts you have, and He still loved you. If you know that, can you see how the Father loves you? As you see the Spirit working within you, as you see the church growing, as you see people becoming more Christ-like, edifying each other, serving each other, singing hymns, psalms and spiritual songs, loving each other, can you see that this shows that the Holy Spirit loves you because He's leading you into greater and greater holiness. So if you are loved by every person in the triune Godhead, what are you afraid of in your life? Really, what are your concerns? What would give you pause then from dedicating your life to God 
knowing that He has loved you in all things. Friends, so when your prayers are not answered, trust in Him. When your circumstances become bad, trust in Him. When your faith seems to dwindle down, look to the promises in Scripture and trust in Him. For all that Jesus owns is declared to you now through the Holy Spirit. There is absolutely no need for you to gather wealth, power, and respect in this world. You can't take that to heaven. But on the day of resurrection, friends, because of the Holy Spirit inheriting these things to you, you will be given the treasures of heaven. You will reign with Christ in power. You will be glorified before the very world that mocks you now. So hold on loosely to all the things in the world and see that you respond to God who has loved you, who has provided for you, and who is continuing to work within you. Listen to Him as He works through Scripture to convict you. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us to listen to the comforting words of the Holy Spirit as He leads us through Scripture to come to know You. Help us then to continue to trust in You, Father. Help us then to, to love You, to seek to obey all the things that Christ has told us to do and to respond to the work of Your Holy Spirit favorably. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.